Well, this past week, the Barrow kids have been at the beach with their extended family, having a good old time with aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. And uh, just a word of celebration. It's the first time in 10 years the Barrows have packed for the beach and didn't put a pack and play and extra diapers in the car. Feels like we're leveling up, but uh, they've had a good old time. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is uh, they played in the ocean for the first time, really. Uh, uh, it's normally kind of rough, and you can imagine like just being afraid of the ocean a little bit, even if you enjoy it, um, just being a little a little guy in the face of a big ocean. Um, but my brother says it is as calm down there as he has seen it since he and I were kids playing in the ocean together. Um, and so they really have, have enjoyed that. Of course, by the time I was able to get down there um, for the weekend, um, the ocean was rough again. So that's what we get. But uh, even by that point in time, they had kind of overcome, uh, overcome, and they were excited to, to get in and have a good time uh, boogie boarding and, and all that sort of stuff. And while I am lifeguarding and uh, sort of watching them enjoy themselves and delight in the ocean, uh, I'm also processing theology because apparently that's what my brain does. Uh, and so um, they're enjoying the water and I am uh, contemplating the transcendence and imminence, the nature and character of God. Uh, so you get to do that with me today. Yay. Are you excited? Um, Transcendence and eminence are two words that we use theologically to talk about the nature and character of God, who God is. Uh, the transcendence of God is like God's vastness, God's above and beyond all elseness. Uh, all the omnis are there, all powerful, all knowing, all present, all loving. Uh, again, all the omnis uh, are in God's transcendence. We could not fathom God if we tried. God is too big. God is too vast. God is too beyond, removed from humanity, from the created order. And if transcendence sort of talks about because of God's bigness, God's distance from the created order, eminence talks about God's proximity to it, that God wants to be known, wants to know us, um, that God is present and active and alive and at work in the world. And, and scripture always talks about the nature and character of God in these two, like they're seemingly opposite ways of talking about God. And yet in scripture, the whole of it, uh, they're never, they're never fully removed from each other. I think we see God's eminence most fully in the person of Jesus in the new Testament, but that doesn't mean that, um, that it's not there even in the old Testament. All the, always these two things are kind of hanging together. You with me? Okay. Back to the beach. So um, the ocean is vast, right? We put it on a, a map and we can see its borders. We can see it on a globe. So we feel like we understand how big it is. And yet when you're standing next to it, you, you can never see the end of it. It just falls over the horizon, right? Think about searching for someone lost at sea. People say it's like searching for a needle in a haystack, but that does not even, it's just hundreds and thousands of square miles. It's enormous, the surface of it. And, and that doesn't even talk about the, the depths of it, which we have not even really been able to fully comprehend as a humankind. Like it's just, it's just enormous, the ocean. And when it's angry and fierce and you're on it, it can break you and sink you. And even if you're just dipping your feet into the edges of it, it feels like it could drag you and push you and pull you or flip you right there just on the, the edge of it. I mean, the ocean ocean is, is enormous. It's vast. It is transcendent. And yet my kids are playing in it, right? They're, you know, floating in it. They're running away from the 
beach-born ripples that are sort of approaching them or jumping over them. They're, they're riding their boogie boards and being pushed along, uh, along with faces of glee and delight, you know, while it pushes them along. Uh, they're wiping its salt out of their eyes. They're spitting it out of their mouths. Uh, they're in it. It's in them. They're just, they're just soaked. They're soaked in this transcendent ocean. It is also incredibly imminent to them. We're starting a new sermon series today uh, called Consumed. And uh, really, actually, I was, we're, we're starting a series of series that we're going to look at you know, over the next few months. Uh, I've read all the way to the end of them. Um, and if I think there is anything that I hope um, that you get out of all that lies ahead for us, uh, it's this. I assume you know God to some degree, all of us, in person, online. Um, maybe someone is just coming to be polite to the person they came with or they're coming out of habit. Uh, or maybe you um, maybe you sense something, like you have a desire to know more about God, but you don't really know how to start or where it is. Like, but even, even, even folks who, uh, who maybe feel like they don't have a working knot, we all do. Like we all know God to some degree. Um, probably because we watched cartoons as kids growing up, and it gives us a lot of theology, as it turns out. Um, we tend to know God in God's transcendency, like God's transcendent self. Um, but I, I think that I want you to not just know God like that. I, I think I want to invite you to like jump in and get, get all wet in the, in the goodness of God, like in the love of God for you. I think, I think that's the invitation I want to make. And um, I'm not suggesting that we would like no longer know God and God's transcendence on the other side of it. We've got to like swap our image of God. I, I don't, I don't think that that's the argument I would want to make. Um, but I want, I want you to like bathe in God's love. I want you to know what it's like to be held afloat by God's arms when all things are falling apart. Uh, in your life. I, I want you uh, in the depth of your loneliness or the height of your fear to know God's presence with you. In your everyday, ordinary walking around lives, I want you to be able to see and appreciate and understand and recognize and participate in God's activity and work in your life and the world around you in a way that kind of pushes you along, presses you along with delight and glee on your face to be doing something that's meaningful and has purpose uh, in your, in your life. I think, I think that's not just what I want. I think that's what God wants, um, for all of us, uh, for each of us. Um, and if, if that's something that you want, that's awesome. We're going to spend a lot of time in the next few weeks looking at how to do that or why to do that or what we mean when we talk about things this way. Um, if, if you don't, you know, I understand that. I, I think I would encourage you, like, I, I kind of want the opportunity to change your mind, uh, or, at least, uh, I hope that you will leave your mind open to the possibility of that uh, long enough that maybe God can begin to change your uh, your heart and your mind. Um, I think that the way that we do this is through worship. Um, uh, and I tend to think of worship when we say it as like the one hour that we spend together in church on Sunday mornings. Like I tend to think of that as worship. I returned to an article uh, written by Philip Kennison that I read probably 15, 20 years ago. Um, and in it, he kind of starts to really unpack what worship is. Uh, and he 
talks about how worship, um, the, like the understanding, the translation of worship that we use in scripture, uh, doesn't mean to worship in like the corporate worship sort of way that I tend to, to think about worship, but um, that worship means to bow down, to prostrate oneself, uh, to like bow down and a kiss and kiss, to ascribe worth to something, worship worth like giving worth to something else. Like that's what worship is. When we bow down and prostrate our lives, we think of worship to God as like bowing down before God, right? That's oftentimes how it gets translated, uh, particularly in the Old Testament. Um, But he says that really all of our lives are worship. Our lives, he says, are always bent in a particular direction. And the quickest way to worship the wrong thing is to assume that your life is not bent in a particular direction. But, But he really... I think challenges us to ask ourselves that question. What is our life bent towards? Because like we become what we worship. Um, we by nature, human beings, are imitators. Uh, we have in our brain what they're called mirroring mirror neurons. Um, if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody else and they're talking to you like this and the next thing you know, you got your arms crossed and you're nodding your head and you look across the table and you realize they're doing the same thing uh, that you're doing or you're doing the same thing that they're doing and you're like, Oh gosh, I got to move my hands or something. That's just subconsciously our mirror neurons. We imitate that which we are paying attention to. Um, It's how we're hardwired, right? Uh, And so whatever our lives are bent towards, whatever we're ascribing worth to, whatever we're paying attention to uh, is who we become. Worship is intended to help us become more like God in whose image we're made. It's what it means to it's how we jump in and get drenched in the imminence of God, right? It's, it's how we become so bathed in, in the love of God. But if we're worshiping other things, it's very hard to do that because our lives are oriented, uh, bent towards other things, uh, other, other beings, be it a, a, a person or otherwise. Um, I don't think we're the first to struggle with this. I think our people, humanity, has been struggling with this since uh, our very beginning. Uh, but the Apostle Paul, who was like a pastor, a church planter in the fledgling church right after the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, um, he writes a letter to the church in Rome. Um, and, and in it, he includes just this word of, of invitation and challenge, much like the one that I think we're discussing today. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern, you may know what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I think by perfect there, we mean like whole or complete, shalom, tobiness, which are words that we use around here quite regularly. I think that's what he's he's talking about there. This is a a word of challenge. He's just told the people of God that they have to offer themselves as a sacrifice to God. Uh, But he's chosen to do it with this really weird phrase, a living sacrifice. That phrase makes no sense. Everyone he's writing to would have understood sacrifices. Uh, If they were Jewish, they would have understood making sacrifices in the Jerusalem temple. Uh, If they were pagan uh, and were followers of Jesus, Gentile followers of Jesus, uh, they would have understood what it meant to make uh, uh, sacrifices in one of the temples to the Roman gods, right? And, And it's all kind of the same thing. There's a transcendent God who's fierce and angry and terrifying. And we're going to swap one life for another. We're going to give this God uh, an animal's life, so it's dead, in place of our own. 
to keep that transcendent God at bay, to keep that God's anger away from us <laughs> so that we can be safe and secure and have wholeness of life here. But Paul says, listen, this God is, has always been an eminent God. And particularly, we now know that in the person and the work of Jesus, that God desires this relationship. with We don't have to keep an angry and transcendent God at bay. There, that kind of sacrifice is no longer necessary. What's necessary now is a sacrifice of ourselves, not as a dead offering to God in place of somebody else or something else, but to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice so that we can be fully, completely, totally, wholly, wholeheartedly known by God and that we can know God with our full selves and that we can know that God knows us. Like That's, that's who we understand God to be now. And so Paul says, let's offer our whole self, our whole self to God. Because when we do that, when we bow our whole self in the direction of God, we are we become imitators of that God, right? Our lives are reshaped and reformed. We look a lot more like Jesus because we're paying attention to the, we're the God. That's the thing that we imitate, the ways, the will, the perfect, acceptable, and holy ways of God. Rather than being conformed to the patterns and the ways of the world when we bow ourselves down in those directions. I think Paul's challenge is ours today. If we want to be bathed in the goodness of God, if we want to jump all in and get soaking wet in the goodness of God, we've got to ask the question, where are our lives bent, right? What are we worshiping? And are we offering our full selves, our whole selves, every part and piece to God? So I would ask you the question, like, what are you, what are you holding back? What are you keeping from God? It's a beautiful word of invitation, uh, I think, that we see in this passage of Scripture and in the person and work of Jesus. Uh, but it comes with some hard questions that we've got to ask ourselves. This is the invitation. These are the questions, the challenge that we're going to spend the next few weeks unpacking. I'd love to invite you back uh, every single week to, to join us in that journey. Um, uh, even if you can't be here in person or online, uh, I would encourage you to, to be doing this work. I think um, there is nothing uh, more rich and fulfilling in our life um, than being able to, to dive in um, and, and know, know and be known. Uh, by a God who desires to know and be known by us. Um, and so I want to invite you uh, into that, into that. Come dive in both feet. Uh, let's get drenched in the, in the goodness of God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are grateful for um, the ways in which even in your vastness and unfathomableness, uh, even in all your omnis that you so desire uh, to be known by us, uh, and for us uh, to, to trust and know that we are known by you, um, that you would put all of your transcendence aside to become ultimately imminent to us. Not just, but especially and explicitly um, in Jesus Christ, who came to, to show us exactly what it looks like to offer our whole selves. Uh, I, I pray for me uh, for everyone kind of in earshot of my voice in this moment, and for those who are not, um, that we would all be able to know you, to know you personally, um, not just in your transcendent nature and character, uh, but that we would know you uh, intimately, that we would know that you are jealous for us, jealous for a relationship with us. I pray that you, uh, because that's so hard, would make yourself uh would make yourself known, would make yourself known uh, to each one of us in our own unique ways so that we can begin 
to do the work of offering all that we have and all that we are, all that we understand of ourselves to all that we understand of you today. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, we know that that's all that you ask. And so, Lord, um, be with us as we join in this journey together, as we respond to your invitation and process some challenging questions along the way. We trust that you're with us, and uh, we want to, to know and be known by you more and more every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's been great to worship with you together during this time. Uh, we'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship in person or online, live on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. You can find more information about our worship times or worship with us online at fvumc.org. And while you're there, uh, you can find plenty of ways to connect with us, uh, whether that's uh, connecting in sort of an opportunity for community around here or serving the greater Fuquay community around us. Uh, so we'd love to invite you to join us for those. If this is a resource that provides you spiritual sustenance and you'd like to partner with us in making it possible for everyone else while you're there, at the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says give, or you can go to fvumc.org slash give and make a gift there that makes the mission and ministry of this place possible. We're so thankful for everyone who partners with us uh, to do just that. Listen, it's been great. It's been great to be together with you uh, in this moment, and we look forward to worshiping again with you real soon. We'll see you then.